On today's episode of the Dad Tired Podcast, we're going to be talking about the pain of fatherlessness and more importantly, the hope and the healing that the gospel brings specifically to that subject. I know a lot of you guys grew up without your dad around. He may not have been there physically. And some of you actually had your dad there, but he wasn't there. You know what I mean? Like he was there, but he wasn't really there emotionally for you. And so we just talk about the pain that all of us who grew up either without a dad physically there or without a dad emotionally there, that that brought us as men and how we can start to find healing. Even as men, grown men, we can find healing through the gospel when we had absent fathers in one way or another. It's also a reminder for us as dads how important it is for us to be present, both physically and emotionally, spiritually, fully engaged with our family. We're going to be talking about all of this with author and spoken word artist Blair Lynn. We'll actually hear a perspective from a woman, which is going to be really interesting. I think you'll find really helpful on your journey. Before we dive into all that, though, I want to thank my friends over at Samaritan Ministries for sponsoring today's episode. Samaritan Ministries is a biblical solution to healthcare where hundreds of thousands of Christians across the nation bear one another's medical burdens through prayer and financial support. It's not insurance and there are no network restrictions, which means you choose the doctors, treatments, and hospitals that are right for you. Medical bills are sent to Samaritan Ministries and they notify members to pray and send money directly to you to help pay those bills. It's affordable with a sharing program that could fit your budget and you can join today. Samaritan Ministries is always there to help you choose a quality healthcare provider, to price medical procedures, and 24-7 access to medical professionals by phone or email to get medical advice before you visit the doctor, which is going to save you time and money. When you think about Samaritan Ministries, you think about the verse in Galatians 6-2, which says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. If you'd like to learn more about this amazing community, you can go to SamaritanMinistries.org slash dadtired. Again, that's SamaritanMinistries.org slash dadtired. When I saw the title of your book, Finding My Father, How the Gospel Heals the Pain of Fatherlessness, obviously, we're a podcast for dads. And so it's really relevant to our audience, but also I'm a man who came up in a house without a dad. Mm -hmm. And I've been trying to figure out that journey for a long time. And I really mean like, I'm trying to figure out that journey because it's not something I'm like, oh, I I closed that chapter. It's healed. And I've moved on. There are different times where it will like pop up and I'm like, oh man, that like all the devastation of not having dad around has now it's showing itself in another area that I didn't even know it was affecting. Mm -hmm. And so I know you feel that and you know that, but -hmm. I'd love to hear just your story from Mm -hmm. your perspective. I know from a man's perspective, from your perspective, anyway, I've rambled too much. (laughs) Tell me your story and however you want to take this, you know, I'd love to just hear your story. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I was raised in Michigan. Well, I was born in Michigan. I was saying, right. And I was, raised in a single parent home. My mother was a single mother when she found out she was pregnant with me and really wrestled with whether or not she was even going to have me. Mm. So thought about abusing me. And then she was planning to give me up for adoption and, um, and the, the Lord (laughs) and series of events caused her to decide to keep me. Mm. And so, you know, I walk through my story very, very in depth in the book. And I just talk about what it was like growing up in a single parent household. My mother moved us to Los Angeles when I was three years old. Mm. And so my dad lived in Chicago and we were in Los Angeles. So we were far away from each other. Mm. So our relationship really looked like 
phone conversations, maybe a couple times a year. Yeah. So every year or two, we might go back and we would visit family in Michigan. And sometimes we would pass through Chicago. And so I would get a chance to see him, but Hmm. there really wasn't much depth in our relationship. You know, I wouldn't say that my dad really knew me, even though when we did have those phone conversations, he really did try to encourage me. So Hmm. he is a wonderful guy who I think tried to do what he could do, even in those five minute conversations. But of course that isn't enough. And so I walked through what that was like struggling with, we struggled with poverty. We struggled. I wrestled with my own identity, Mm. especially coming up, not having a dad to pour a blessing into me or give that words, give those words of affirmation to shape me, you know, to tell me who I am, you know, as a young lady coming up, you know, and can, uh, may I interrupt you there? Cause I, I just feel that personally, you know, I, Mm -hmm. I know that feeling personally. Were you able to articulate that? Like as a, I guess, when were you able to articulate that? Like make that connection? Like, oh man, that my dad's absence is really playing an effect on who, who how I see myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I didn't know that for a long mm-hmm. time. When, yeah. when did you discover that? You know what? I didn't know that until guys started approaching me, expressing mm. interest. So when mm. I was around 18 years old, I wanted to have a conversation with my dad during those conversations we would have over the phone, but I was really afraid to share with him, Hmm. you know, how I was impacted by his absence. I felt um, this fear that if I did open up to him and I shared that maybe he would disappear. Like I wouldn't even have the little bit of conversations that we did have. So that fear really kept my mouth closed. And then when I was 18, I remember just calling my dad and I didn't really think about it. I just said, you know, I'm just struggling. You know, I just, it just kind of blurted it out. Like Mm. I'm struggling because you're not here. You're not in my life. I'm trying to sort through who I am. You know, these guys are interested in me and I don't even know what to look for in a guy. When I shared that conversation with him, something that he shared with me, which actually has stuck with me, he said, I'm afraid too. Wow. He says, I've been afraid to, I've been afraid, you know, to, to open up as well. And I think that helped me to see my dad's humanity, yeah, helped yeah. me to see, you know, that, you know, not that I was looking for my dad to be some sense of a superhero, you know, to come in and save the day, but I just wanted him to be present. I yeah. wanted him to be there, but I think hearing him express his own fears and how he himself didn't have his dad in his life. So he didn't know what he was doing. I think that just helped me to just see his humanity and have a little more compassion for him. And actually at 18, that kind of opened up even our relationship that there began to be more interaction. He started calling more regularly after I had that conversation with him, his life kind of got sorted through. He got married at the time. And so he started kind of developing more healthy habits relationally with me. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so that's just a bit of my story. And then I walked through what it was like now for me. Now I'm married. Yeah. <laughs> I've been married for 11 years. We have three children. So my dad did walk me down the aisle. Wow. But yet, it, and still, like you said, you don't realize kind of what you didn't have until you are in the thick of it and you see how it's impacting certain areas of your life. And, and I talk about how like, first of all, coming to the Lord, I came to the Lord when I was 22 years old. Hmm even though we were raised in the church, I really didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. Hmm. 
And I didn't really understand the gospel personally, you know, the good news that Christ died for me, the sinner. And so when I understood that, that completely changed my life. Sorry. I just, there's so many, I'm so curious. I I hate to interrupt (laughs) you. I'm just so curious about like, how did you, 22 is late, you know, it is Um, a lot of adults, you know, they've made decisions about their faith and they're Mm -hmm. pretty concrete by the Mm -hmm. time they're in their early twenties and they they never really think about it again. Uh, How did the Lord capture you at 22? I mean, I had made a profession of faith when I was nine years old. I had a very sensitive conscience. <laughs> so mm-hmm. my sister laughed at me because she's like, every church we went to, you would join. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, my, yeah. As a child, I always was going up to, you know, respond to the call to come to the Lord. So at nine, I was baptized and I just got involved in the church. I was mm. president of the youth department, sang in the choir, uh, was giving my offering. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know, seeking to do all the things that I was taught that I I should do. And what I realized looking back was that my relationship with God, it really wasn't that it was more of this seeking out religious, this emotionalism. Mm -hmm. And that was really what I was hungering for. And so I remember throughout my life that I was pretty moral. I was pretty good as I compared myself to other people. And so When I was 22 years old, someone actually shared the gospel. And as they were talking, they were talking about sins of the heart Hmm. and how God sees our sins that no one else sees. I mean, it was the first time I really heard that. You know, you hear these sermons and it's always like God can deliver you from these, quote unquote, big sins. And it's like, oh, I'm good. You know, that doesn't apply to me because I'm doing all right. And for the first time, I realized, well, wait a minute, God sees all of me, like there's no barrier, you know, I'm open and exposed before him. And then as I began to read the book of Ephesians, I remember Ephesians two, you were dead in your sins and transgression. And I'm thinking, well, I never really thought I was dead in my sins. And, you know, like I never really thought I deserved God's wrath. You know, I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm reading through Romans and realizing the wrath of God is against all the ungodliness and unrighteousness. And I'm like, well, I never placed myself there. Mm. But the scripture places me there, Mm. you know, and so as I began to see other people are not my standard, right, of righteousness, but Christ is the standard of righteousness. It really helped me to see, wow, I'm not good. Like, Mm. I do need a savior. And I remember I I was in prayer feeling overwhelmed by my sin because I was thinking like, okay, God, you see it all. Well, I have sinned against you in so many ways. And as I was praying that prayer, what I heard was, and that's the reason why my son came. That's why you need a savior. And I remember going from a state of hopelessness to joy when I realized, so that's the gospel. Like, that's why it's good news, because I need a savior. And he came for me. It's one thing to like, think that God is judging us just on our behavior. But when you realize, oh, man, he's actually looking at my heart, which is also wicked, <laughs> right. then I'm like, oh, man, yeah. right. then, you're, then you're, you're faced with the reality that like even my the deepest part of me is rebelling mm-hmm. against God and That's he's not cool. just looking at, at my behavior. And, then, you know, I had a similar experience. I remember being in an apartment. I was probably 20 years old mm-hmm. and it was one of the first times I felt the weight of my sin. Mm. And in that same feeling of just like, oh my gosh, like I am, 
I'm a pretty jacked up dude. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I can convince a lot of people. I was even in full-time ministry at that point, but I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I could convince a lot of people. I got it together. But like the depths of me is sinful and rebellious against God. And I felt that same kind of hopelessness. Like, am I even a Christian? Like, you know, I went through all this panic and then immediately following was the grace of Jesus. And I always say that the, like amazing grace isn't amazing until you realize how broken you are. That's if you right. think, if you think you got it all together, then what's so amazing about God saving you. But That's when you recognize, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I personally am wicked, mm-hmm. sinful, rebellious against God. And yet he didn't bail. That's he, right. He, he gave himself, he put on that righteousness on me. That's yeah. amazing grace. Yeah, that's amazing right. grace, right? Yeah. So I, I feel you on that. And I, I, I deeply resonate with that. Mm-hmm. I've had very same, similar experience. I, I think I totally interrupted you. You were talking about, you know, as you got into your twenties, I think you were saying, and, and you gave your life to Christ. You felt like you actually made a, you started to understand the gospel in a real way. And you were talking about your dad in that way. So if you remember that train of thought, I'll let you jump back in there. Yeah. So then, you know, coming to the Lord and when I was nine years old, I actually was uh, an actor as Mm. well. So that was kind of another layer is that I was attending a church that was more of a prosperity theology, kind of more focused on what you're doing. And so because I was acting, they felt like at least what was communicated with me, well, God is with you. Oh, you're being blessed with all of Mm. these acting roles. And so when I came to the Lord at 22, I really began to rethink my entire life. You know, Mm. why am I doing what I'm doing? And, you know, the Lord then took me on a completely different journey. And I ended up meeting my husband doing ministry. You know, my husband has a very similar story, which he writes one chapter in the book as well to Mm. men. He has a similar story to me of being raised without his dad in his life as well. And how together us kind of making this pact, okay, we haven't really seen this done before, but we want to honor the Lord in our marriage and in our parenting and by God's grace, undo these years of dysfunction, right? That, that we've experienced. And so that's the journey that we're on seeking to trust the Lord. And what I realized is that in our spiritual adoption, when we have, when we come to Christ, we gain a father in God. Yeah. And also something that I don't hear a lot of people talk about is that we gain a family in the church. Yeah. And so I've seen the Lord use my relationship with him to help fill in some of those gaps. I've seen the Lord use relationships that I have with other older men, godly men, godly women in the church, be able to sort through some of those gaps as well. And, and then there's some areas we're still working out, you know, we're still sorting through and. Like See, what, like what, what, what can you think of specific things? Yeah. I mean, I think always growing, let's say for one with parenting, I think constantly having to seek out because what we've at least experienced is that the church that we're in now, my husband helped plant the church that we're in. Mm-hmm. And so we're actually considered one of the older members, you know, the seasoned members. That's and a terrible so feeling when, <laughs> what, yeah, when younger people start talking to you, like you're the old wise guy, I'm like, oh, geez. Yeah, I know, <laughs> right? And so there are times where I'm like, well, we need help, you know, like in our marriage, we need yeah. people asking us hard questions. Yeah. So a lot of the times we have to ask friends that are outside of our church, you know, mm. that counsel and that help, you know, or even seeking those who have children that are older, because most of the families in our church, we have children around the same age. Mm-hmm. There are a few that are older, but, 
So I think that's where we see it show up, needing that godly counsel of people to, like I say, ask us those hard questions. When you're kind of thrust into a position of leadership, you have to fight for that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. People assume that everything is okay all the time. And yeah. it's like, marriage is a blessing and it's a beautiful thing. And there are times where we need help, you know? And so even this year, my husband and I, we did like a little kind of refresher, like a four part mm. counseling, biblical counseling session, mm-hmm. just to refresh our communication and just to help us because yep. we didn't really have those resources at our, at our disposal at our local church. So yeah. uh, I'm thankful for that counseling, you know, and I'm thankful how helpful that was to us, but it just shows, yeah, there are things we're working out. We're working. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate you being honest about that. You know, there are a lot of guys who I remember I was speaking somewhere in the South, you know, I grew up in California and then mm. I, I live in Portland now. So kind of a, it's just a different, it's different. You know, the coasts are different than, uh-huh. than the middle part of the country and God's doing different stuff and all, all over the, the country. But I was speaking somewhere in the South and I said something about like, how many of you guys, your dad wasn't around mm. and nobody raised their hand. Mm. And I was like, I must've miscommunicated that. You know, I didn't say that clearly. Like how many <laughs> of you guys, your dad wasn't there. And nobody raised their hand. And then I said, mm-hmm. so you're telling me every single one of you, your dad was there. And mm-hmm. they were all like, yeah. And I started like bawling because I was mm-hmm. like, That's ama- I've never heard of that. Most of my friends, like we didn't have dads around and stuff, you know, so mm-hmm. it was really foreign to me. But what they said to me was like, my dad was there, but he wasn't really there. Right. And so he stuck around. He was physically there because it's kind of like a, that's what we do. in like in our part of the country, like men, mm-hmm. just, they stick around, but my dad was an alcoholic or mm-hmm. he just, you know, he was a workaholic or he's addicted or whatever. So he wasn't really there. And mm-hmm. I know you tackle this a little bit in the book, but like, because I know there are guys who are going to listen right now. I'm like, well, that's your guys' story. You guys' dad wasn't around. But mm-hmm. I think fatherlessness can also be when your dad was physically there, but he wasn't there. That's you right. Know what I mean? And so I guess, what, what would you say to that guy? Yeah. You know, I would say, yeah, fatherlessness is not only a physical absence. There can be an emotional absence. Yeah. There can be a spiritual absence. And unfortunately, there's some cases where there's abuse in some cases as well. So I would say to those those men who are in the home, but you know that you're not present, that you know you only have a certain amount of time. Even we're looking at our children who are nine, seven, and six. And my husband and I we were like, okay, so we have about 10 years, you know, yeah. like it's yeah. not a, it's not a lot of time. And Lord willing, of course, we'll be in our life continuously, but you have a short amount of time to influence your child, your children. And so my prayer is for those dads that, you know, you would realize that you don't have to be a perfect father, but you should be a present father and God can help you to be present. And so what does that look like being emotionally present, asking questions of your children? How are you doing? You know, how can I pray for you? What do you need? What's going on? What are your friends talking about? You know, what do you what do you enjoy doing and making sure that you're spending time investing in your children and their emotional life. And then spiritually taking your children to church, if you don't already. And like I said, you know, praying with them, opening up the Bible to say, let's just read, even if you, you know, you may not see yourself as a teacher per se, 
But even if you just read a few verses with your child, you know, yeah. and read those verses with your child, that is so important. And you know, that's a thing. Like, I think sometimes we have so much pressure that we put upon ourselves, yeah. and, and these expectations that we don't find ourselves meeting that it's almost like the paralysis of analysis, right? Yeah. That we're, we're paralyzed by our own perception of what we should be doing. Yeah. And that may not be what the Lord is calling you to do. But he's calling you to faithfulness, you know, not to compare yourself to someone else, but to be faithful with what he's given you. So you are so important. Every father who's listening, you are so important and you matter. And I talk about this in my book because I I don't think that our society says that enough. Yeah. That men are important. You are vital to your children's growth. You're vital as it relates to just the legacy and the calling that the Lord has given you. And he will equip you where God directs. He will, you know, he will provide, you know, what you need as you call on him. Parenting is so hard in that the Lord will call us to be on our knees. Mm-hmm. You rely upon God to get the strength that we need. So we're not doing it in our own strength, but in his strength. And so begin to make that commitment, just small commitments say each day I'm going to spend, you know, two minutes praying for my child and let's spend two minutes praying together or two minutes reading the Bible, just starting where you can and not being discouraged. I love it. I was driving with my son the other day. I have four kids, a son and three daughters. My son's my oldest. And so I was driving with just my son and he said something like, you know, dad, I wish you didn't have to work so much. Mm. And I work from home. You know, and my and we homeschool our kids. So I'm with my kids like all the time. Uh-huh. And I laugh. I'm like, are you being serious? And he's like, he's like, yeah, I wish you didn't work so much. I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, I feel like I'm with you all the time. Like we do so much together. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to originally, I was like, I felt myself being defensive. I wanted to like defend how much time, but then I realized like this is what he feels, mm-hmm. regardless of what is even what I feel is reality for his reality, he feels like dad's like gone, uh, right. absent in many ways. And, uh, and he's ridiculously emotionally smart. So he can articulate what he's feeling really well Mm. to the point. It's kind of freaky and it like convicts way too much, you know? (laughs) And so I said, well, what would you want son? Like, what would it, what would be, what would it look like for us to like spend more time together or for me to like be more present with you? He said, I just wish you'd shoot hoops with me more in the, in the back, in the driveway. Mm. And I'm like, man, it was just overcomplicated because I went to like a hundred strategies right to be more print like okay what do i need to do my work schedule and all this stuff he's just like just come shoot hoops with me you know and and i was out so that night i'm like all right let's go shoot hoops so we went out there and it was Mm. like 10 minutes and we played and then he was like all right dad i mean i'm gonna go get a snack or whatever and he was like done you know but for him that was enough 10 minutes right basketball was enough so i guess all that to say like for the dads don't overcomplicate it you know Mm. like man just be present with your kid 10 minutes of just like mm-hmm. you, my undivided attention, mm-hmm. I think would probably be a huge leap in the right direction, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, yeah. I, I hear you on that. Hey guys, I hope this interview has been helpful for you so far. I just want to take a quick minute to pause and thank my friends over at Hyatt Health for sponsoring today's episode. I know some of you dads listening may not be giving too much thought about the vitamins that your kids are taking, or maybe you just leave it up to your wife to make those decisions, but I want to challenge you to give this some thought. Hyatt Health was actually started by two dads who realized the vitamins they were giving their kids were essentially sugar-filled candy in disguise, so they decided to do something about it. 
Did you know that 93% of kids don't eat enough fruits and vegetables? And we all know that what kids eat instead are chicken fingers, mac and cheese, processed foods, ice cream, and more. And the vitamins that are supposed to fill in those nutritional gaps are based on out-of-date nutritional guidelines from the 1980s. Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full-body nourishment our kids need with a yummy taste they love. My kids absolutely love these vitamins. They're made from 12 farm-fresh fruits and vegetables and supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals known to help support a healthy immune system, energy levels, brain function, mood, teeth, bones, and more. Most children's vitamins are filled with 5 grams of sugar and can cause a variety of health issues. Haya is made with zero sugar and zero gummy junk, yet it tastes great and is perfect for picky eaters. It's non-GMO, vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, nut-free, and everything else you can imagine. It's manufactured here in the United States with globally sourced ingredients, each selected for optimal bioavailability and absorption. We've worked out an exclusive offer with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Dad Tired listeners receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com forward slash Dad Tired or enter the code DADTIRED at checkout. That's H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash DADTIRED, HayaHealth.com slash DADTIRED, and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Again, go to HayaHealth.com forward slash DADTIRED, or enter the promo code DADTIRED at checkout. You know, I know you talk a lot about this, and we've, we have moms who sneak in on this podcast, you know? <laughs> And they, they try to be a fly on the wall, which I love, you know, they, but there are a lot of moms who are listening who are even, they're either an, a single mom because mm-hmm. dad is completely gone mm-hmm. or they feel like a single mom, especially yeah. in terms of trying to raise their kids to love Jesus. And they don't have a husband who's helping them out with that. Mm-hmm. I guess, what would you say to that woman listening? Right. Yeah. I would encourage, and, and yeah, I do talk about uh, single moms in my, in my book as well. And I encourage single moms because when I look even at my church, uh, there's some single moms in my church and some of the most godly women are single moms who are holding it down, you know, faithful at church, faithfully serving, catechizing their children, Mm -hmm. you know, homeschooling and working. I mean, Mm -hmm. some of them are, are just making so many great sacrifices for um, because they love the Lord and because they love their children. And, and I want to encourage them that, you can be faithful. You can honor the Lord right where the Lord has you to be. I know that for many single moms, that's not necessarily the most ideal situation for them yeah. to be in. A lot of them would love to be married, you know, and love to have that hope. And the Lord could change that situation. But if the Lord doesn't, I would just say to rely upon the Lord and ask him to help you to, to be faithful with what he's called you to do. Yeah. I also would say, as I mentioned, you know, leaning into other members of the church. One of the things that we see in the, in the Bible, in you know, the book of James, is it talks about that true religion of caring for yeah. widows and orphans, and really those are the fatherless, right, and those who don't have a husband. And so, I want to encourage also the church to come alongside the single moms yeah. um, to support them. That men, you can grab alongside, you know, come alongside and, you know, you see that this young sister, you know, has a son that she's raising and, you know, how can you step in and help support her and take some of that load off and take him fishing and, you know, kind of have those talks that only, you know, a man can have with a man or a man can have with a young man. 
So I think it's really important for us to come alongside. Oftentimes when we think about caring for orphans, sometimes we only think about adoption, Mm. but I don't think that that, I don't think we have to limit it that way, especially in our culture with fatherlessness, the way that it is. I think it could look like coming alongside and mentorship with discipleship saying, I'm here, we're a family. So how can I serve you single mom? Um, And I think that would be really helpful. Some of these single moms are tired or exhausted. I mean, you know, we have our spouses and it's exhausting, you know what I mean? Like to do what God has called us to do faithfully. And sometimes I think back when I'm exhausted, I'm like, how did my mom do that? I think that all the time, all the time. I'm just like, my mom, you know, raised me by, I'm like, how in the world? Yes. Do single parents do this by themselves. It's exhaust both moms and dads who are single parents. Just it's exhausting. And yes. I can't imagine. And God, I just pray God's unique grace on yes. them and filling their cup. If I could add to that, I think that's so, so good what you said. I love the family aspect that we, you're part of a bigger family here. I would say to the single parent, God is not limited by your unique family situation. Mm-hmm. And you might think, well, I guess God can only kind of use me 80% or 70% or whatever, because, you know, we're kind of, we're a broken family. It's just me. And it's mm. just not true. God That's doesn't true. have boundaries and he's not limited by your brokenness or the family brokenness or whatever. You and I were both products of that truth, right? I grew up with a single mom and God saved me and he raised me and he discipled me and he's mm-hmm. discipling me. And so mm-hmm. God's faithful. He doesn't need our perfect scenarios. Does mm-hmm. he desire things to be lived out the way he designed them for sure, but he's not limited to that. And so just take hope. God, God's not like looking at your situation, like, oh man, all right, well, let's see what we can do. You know? (laughs) So just take hope. God has no boundaries. The other thing I would say, I love that you called out and encouraged the dads to find the single moms and the the boys who don't have dads. I just want to say to every man listening right now, who in your life right now, what child, is it a friend of your kids? Is it a kid on your, the t-ball team or the soccer team or the football team, whatever, that doesn't have a dad? You can probably think of one right now. And I just want you to pray right now, God, what would it look like for me to step into this child's life who doesn't have a godly man and to figure out ways that I can be used to pour into him for your glory and for their good? I love that you said we need to think bigger than just I mean, adoption for sure. Like everyone should be thinking, consider adoption, but also there's probably one child right now that you can think of that doesn't have a godly father around Mm -hmm. and God can use you in mighty ways. I have one in mind, even as I'm talking, a kid on our our soccer team. So I know dads can hear that. And man, this is what it looks like to be used by God, to be a missionary in your community, to see the kingdom of heaven expanded. So I love that you called that out. I'd love for you to speak to, I feel like I have a a clear picture of what it looks like for me to parent my son, Mm -hmm. because in many ways, I'm trying to just give him what I didn't have. Mm -hmm. And that's really clear to me. Here's my son. Here's everything I didn't have that I wanted. I'm just going to pour that all out on my son. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious, what would you say to the dads, me and other dads listening, dads who are parenting daughters, Mm -hmm. told you I have three daughters. What is the unique role that a dad has? Mm. for his daughters. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I think when you look at what, how the Bible defines what a father is to be, we know that he's to be a provider. We know he's to be a protector. And I think 
one way that a father can do that, provide and protect for his daughter, for one, is to protect her in making a safe place for her. Mm. So I think that's so important in, for one, making sure that it's not a situation where there's any abuse or anything that's going on, right, that would do her harm, whether that's a really a daughter or a son. I think that's primary, that's important. And then to make sure that you are affirming her with your words, that you're encouraging her, that you're building her up for who the Lord has called her to be, I think is very important that you be the first person, the first man to affirm her and tell her that you love her Mm. (laughs) so that she's not searching for love in other places, right? That she's not looking for love and searching for men, you know, to fill that void that her father never provided. Mm. Um, And so I think that that is so important. You want to make sure that she feels like I know my dad, my dad knows me, he loves me, I can talk to him about anything so that I don't have to go outside, you know, to find that in someone else. I think that that is important. Trying to think if there's anything else. Model for her the type of man that you would like her to be Mm. with one day, Mm -hmm. right? So that she knows, okay, And not that you're the standard, we know the Lord is the standard, right? That you're seeking to model after the Lord, but you pray that when she is raised up and ready for marriage, that she'll be able to find a godly man because she was able to see a sense of that in you, right? She was able to see, wow, look, here's my father. He wasn't a perfect man, but he was a faithful man, Yeah, you know? And so I'm looking for a faithful man as well. So that Lord willing, that legacy can continue, right? That godly inheritance will continue to be passed down from generation to generation. Well, my daughters are never getting married. So that's, we don't, we don't really talk about that. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) I told you, you're never allowed to get married. (laughs) No, you're right. You know, what's interesting is I remember as a really dumb teenager, young man, as me personally, I was a dumb young man, just rebellious and all that stuff. But you could tell pretty quickly what girl, you know, as I was dating and things like that, you could tell what woman had a dad around mm-hmm. and was really new that like the standards that she had that she found in her dad or that her dad modeled and ones that didn't. And it's intimidating. My, you know, my wife, you know, when I met her, like she felt loved, deeply loved by her father. And that just gave her a different kind of confidence that I hadn't seen before that I really admired. And it was really a picture for me, like, oh, okay, like this is a dad's role in a woman deeply shapes who she is and how she becomes a woman that's strong and confident and just so well balanced, right? Like she just knew how to love really well, but just, she also, I'm confident in who my father is and who he says I am. It's really cool. And I think as dads, we have the opportunity, like you said, to model the father's love Mm. to that for our daughters and Mm -hmm. to give her a picture. Like this is what a godly father looks like. It's a, it's a high calling. Yeah. Because I think when a young man comes and approaches your daughter, there should be a, some level of intimidation, right? Some healthy fear mm-hmm. of like, okay, I'm handling this precious yes. person, you know, someone who is who is prized. And so I need to handle with care. Yeah. Um, and we're all made in the image of God. We, yeah. we all have dignity and worth. Really, we all are precious, right? Yes. We all should be handled carefully. But having that dad there, I think, does help. You know, I mean, we we see in the movies, you know, kind of what dusting off the gun collection, that kind of thing, yeah, you know, yeah, but, yeah. but not that it has to be that, but there should be some sense of here's someone who is cared for and loved 
Yeah. And so I'm approaching the situation. Yes, I'm going to care for your daughter. You know, yes, yeah. I'm going, you know, when we go out on this date, I'm going to honor you. Yeah. It's of honor. Exactly. You know, only to her, but also to you. Exactly. Um, and we can also dust off the gun collection just for <laughs> ad, added measure. You know? <laughs> okay, just for fun. <laughs> yeah, just for fun. Make sure they really know. You know, I just I always just picture how dumb I was at 16. And I think some 16 year old boy showing up at my house to talk to my daughter. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's just I'm terrible. That's why I'm teaching my son jujitsu right now. I'm like, son, you got to help me protect these girls in this house. You know? <laughs> As we wrap up here, I'd love to hear any, you know, I've shared my story with our audience and with our community about how I'm working out my relationship and my restoration with my dad. Mm. So the guys have kind of been on that journey with me. But from your perspective, I've heard guys in our community say, you know, like I have a strained relationship with my dad and I don't know how to approach it. Do you have any like wisdom for the guy who's like trying to figure out how to approach that strained relationship with his own father? Yeah. Yeah. And that is so hard. Every situation can be so different. One of the things I will say though, is I would start with praying for your Mm. dad. Mm. I think that's a good place to start. I think that helps your own hurt. It can help if there's any unforgiveness there. It can help provide even wisdom because I think what you need to do is navigate. Okay. For one, is this a safe place, right? If this is a safe place to pursue this relationship with your dad, then I would say, and can you pursue that relationship, right? Do you have access to the person? You know, and if you do, and if it is a safe place, I would say to maybe write down a letter. So write down your thoughts in letter form, I think is helpful, you know, to get out what exactly do you want to say? Sometimes that helps you sort through your emotions. Because yeah. uh, when you have a conversation, either fear could creep in and you, yeah. you know, or you're, like I said, paralyzed, you're not sure exactly what to say. So maybe write down your thoughts as you're praying through and praying for your father. And maybe you can send him a letter or you have these notes down so you can give them a call and, and kind of walk through and just share, you know, here's the ways that I appreciate you being there, even if it was very minimal, yeah. uh, you know, we can express those points of gratitude to say, thank you for bringing me candy when I was three, you know, yeah, yeah, thank yeah. you. You paid child support, you know, even though you weren't there, thank you for doing that. Or you took me fishing one time. Thank you for that. But also here are the ways that, that I've been hurt by you not being present and want to communicate that with you. And I would love to have a relationship with you. And that might be a start there. Now, a lot of the times we're in situations where we can't pursue that relationship for whatever reason. And that's where I would say that's where you have to take those cares over to the Lord. Yeah. And I think it is still important to write down your thoughts. If your dad is passed on, maybe your dad is in jail, or maybe you just don't know where your dad is or who your dad is, to write down what are your hurts? What are you wrestling with? What are your fears? What are your concerns? Maybe even as your dad, do you have fears you know, that have been passed on because mm. of your fatherlessness? And cast every one of those cares over to the Lord. Every one of those fears, you know, to say, God, I am fear. I'm afraid, you know, I'm about to have a child. I don't know what to do. Or I'm, I'm angry because my dad wasn't there or I'm struggling with anxiety because, you know, I didn't have a relationship with my dad or I'm wounded and broken or struggling with depression because I suffered abuse at the hand of my father who should have protected me. Being able to cast those cares over to the Lord, I think is important. If need be, 
seek out a biblical counselor, a therapist, you know, who can help you sort through some of those things. And if there are godly men around, maybe see, can we meet up? Can I ask you some questions that I never got a chance to ask my dad? How do I change a tire? Teach me about stocks. You know, how do I discipline my children? What does it look like to lead family worship? Begin to ask the godly men around you some of these questions you weren't able to ask. And I think a period of, and maybe even a lifelong grieving, right? When you don't have your dad there and it's okay to grieve, but we can grieve with hope because we have the Lord and we have the body of Christ, you know, to say, let's sort through this thing together. We're all kind of stumbling through and trusting the Lord to figure this thing out so that we can be faithful. We can trust the Lord is going to provide grace for you specifically, grace for you Mm. in your specific situation to be able to trust him in the midst of you, your situation with your particular story. Yeah, so good. So good. Really great wisdom. Thank you for sharing that. I found too that I think a lot of men, like our dads, I've heard a lot of these stories where they've wanted to talk about it for a long time. They just didn't know how to bring it up. Mm. And when when the child, you know, who's now like my for me, I was a man when I brought this stuff up to my dad. Mm. Um, I brought it up. I was the one to bring it up. I so badly wanted him to bring it up, but he didn't, but I brought it up. But mm. he was just like, it was almost like his soul had been waiting. To, like he knew there was a wedge mm-hmm. and, he, and he wanted to address it, but he didn't know how he didn't have the tools to. Mm-hmm. And so maybe for the guy listening, like you're so badly wanting your dad to be the one to initiate and maybe he never will, or he doesn't know how, or he doesn't know how you would react. But when you do bring it up, it might be a great gift to him because he's been wanting to talk about it for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so um, even though that maybe is not ideal in your mind, that might be what's best mm-hmm. in this situation. The other thing I'd say too is, what do you want to get out of this? Like, what are you hoping mm-hmm. is the end game here? You know, like it is forgiveness. Is it healing? Is it just for you to get off hurt out of your chest? Just one conversation can be so healing yeah. to, to just simply say, dad, I just need to know why you did this. Mm-hmm. I love you. I forgive you. I'm not going to hold this over you for the rest of your life, mm-hmm. but I just need to get this off my chest. It hurt me. And I need to know why that mm-hmm. might be the, the deepest healing you've experienced in your life to just say those simple words. And so just ask yourself, like, what am I hoping? Is it just to like pour a bunch of shame over my dad? Mm. Uh, Is it to get forgiveness? Is it to restore the relationship? I think that's a good question that you got to ask internally. And the other thing, the last thing I'd say is, you know, one thing that helped me is really, I got to hear a lot of my dad's story as our relationship has been growing towards healing. But I was like, man, he was a young guy who had no dad around and Mm. no tools. Mm -hmm. And I think like, of course, he's going to make bad decisions. You know, that's not, we're not going to justify it. You know, and obviously there's still deep pain and hurt, but like, I get it. You know what I mean? Like, I get it. I didn't want it. I kind of, after hearing his story, I'm like, all right, I get it. Mm -hmm. Your dad wasn't there. You hated your dad or your dad was abusive to you or whatever. And so I guess this makes sense to me as much as it hurts, it makes sense. And so maybe, I guess that's a long way of saying, maybe give your dad some grace. He's just Mm -hmm. a broken man trying to figure it out. He's probably doesn't want to suck as a dad. That's the reality. I don't know a lot of men who say, I want to be a terrible father. So I don't know, maybe give him some grace, but Blair, thank you. Finding my father, how the gospel heals the pain of fatherlessness. Such a good book. I highly recommend everybody go out and pick up a copy of this, leave a review on Amazon and and tell (laughs) everyone how much you loved it. But thank you for taking some time and to share your perspective with us. It's been really good. Thanks so much, Jerry. It's been great.
Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of the Dad's Hired Podcast. As always, I hope it was really helpful for you as you grow to be the spiritual leader of your home. If you would consider joining us as a monthly partner, man, it helps us so much. Even five to 10 bucks a month helps us continue to grow the team and reach more guys with the gospel to train and equip more men to be the spiritual leaders of their home. You can do that by going to dadtired.com forward slash give. Again, that's dadtired.com forward slash give. Love you guys. We'll see you next week.